Hello and welcome to or welcome back to a runner's life podcast. I'm the host Marcus Brown. I've gone from a 455 marathon down to running a sub three hour marathon. The idea of this podcast is to explore what a runner's life is by speaking to runners and experts to learn from their experiences and to expand on our own boundaries of what a runner's life could represent. If you want to get updates on the podcast or want to see what I'm up to, follow me on Instagram at a runner's life underscore podcast and at the marathon Marcus, all one word. If you find value in the show, please subscribe and share it with your community and leave a rating on your podcast platform that you use as it helps the podcast grow. If you want to support my work directly, you can become a member on Patreon at www.patreon.com forward slash a runner's life. Thank you for tuning in. Now let's head to the conversation. Today's guest took up running just before turning 30 in an attempt to get fit after years of an unhealthy lifestyle. Having caught the running bug, he went on to run dozens of marathons, ending up with a personal best time of 2 hours, 37 minutes and 7 seconds, as well as other road distances, trail races and ultra marathons completed. He wears many hats and is one of the founders of Like the Wind, an independent magazine which exists to tell stories about why we run. The aim is to inspire, motivate, move and educate readers, publishing stories across the board on racism, gender, inequality, the environment, poverty through the lens of running. Simon, welcome to A Runner's Life podcast. Thank you so much for having me, Marcus. I'm really delighted to uh, to be talking to you. And likewise. And it's so funny because we were speaking early in the year on a webinar about what we were going to do in the lockdown year. And I said to you, I was going to start a podcast. Yeah. <laughs> here we are. <laughs> and here we are. I mean, hats off to you. And I think it's it's testament to your uh, to your vision. You, you've had some amazing guests. I think just before we started recording, I was uh, calling out how how your interview with my friend Mario Frioli is is one of the one of the most entertaining conversations I've I've, I've heard in a long time. That was such a great conversation. When I asked him that question about you know you've been asked so many questions, what would you ask yourself? He spoke about the answer he gave about his family and his reflection. I thought that's such a deep question and. The challenge I had was because it was towards the end of the interview. You wouldn't mm. want to go so far into it, but then, you know, you're conscious that you're towards the end of the interview. But he gave so much in the interview, I think. Yeah, 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 yeah. He's, uh, as I said to you, I think it was like two titans of podcasting. <laughs> <laughs> well, he's like the a heavy, heavyweight, heavyweight <laughs> bout of podcasters. I don't know, mate. He's more like probably like AJ and I'm probably like maybe... <laughs> like the one of the upper covers like the, the gatekeepers i think <laughs> so... oh, that's, that's that's fine man that's fine be 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 one of the challengers that's great um yeah so how are you getting on so far well it's been a crazy year i mean we've uh you know there's been a lot there's been a few personal challenges there's been some business challenges um but uh you know i i, I honestly i feel enormously grateful i'm i'm in a i'm in a a very privileged position um you know my my wife and i co-founded a marketing agency and that has has bounced back after having a pretty uh, dismal um eight months during the the sort of pandemic so that's that's coming back and like the wind magazine has done fantastically i think the, the missing piece in the puzzle honestly is that i've got to get some consistency back to my running um i think for me this year 
was was so unsettling that actually what happened was I I sort of lost the habit of running. So um, that's probably my New Year's resolution. I'm not a big fan of of setting New Year's resolutions, but if that that would be the thing for me is to just try and get that consistency back. Yeah. And something you highlighted as well, this year has just forced a lot of us to be in a place of just being uncomfortable for a long period of time. Yeah, it's funny. When I, I will relate almost anything to a running analogy, um, I remember when I was um, training properly back in the day, um, my coach used to talk about being comfortably uncomfortable, you know, putting yourself into a place during certain sessions where you would kind of think, well, I can hold on to this pace for, you know, 10 miles or an hour or whatever, whatever it is. Um, so you're consciously making yourself un- uncomfortable, but not to the point where you thought, I can't keep doing this. this uh, you just, your body's screaming for you to stop. Yeah. Um, and it feels like this year got to the point where it was uncomfortably uncomfortable. It got, it, it's gone on um, a, a bit too long. So it's quite nice that the end of the year seems to be, um, and, and putting out an, an edition of the mag as well. It's good timing. You know, I've, I felt like I needed the, uh, the boost of seeing another like the wind out in the world. So, yeah. I think like when I'm running, like you get to that point where it's really uncomfortable and your head is just telling you stop, stop, stop. Mm. And you find that little moment, that little breath to be like, okay, take a moment, ground myself, compose myself, brace this moment i feel like like you said there's so many running analogies that you can take from life into running and i feel like that's what this year's been like but for a consistent period of time yeah yeah, it's gone on well you you posted about that on uh on instagram uh recently you said that you were out on a run and and it got you got to the point where you just thought i'm switching off i'm not i'm not focused on this and i think you said in the post that you you thought about your responsibility to your coach or to your training or something and you thought no come on just get this bit get this done um which i thought was really interesting you know having having a sense of of uh y- you know responsibility in what you're doing to yourself and maybe to other people um but knowing that something uncomfortable is going to end is always i think it allows you to find that second wind yeah whereas i think for a lot of people me to an extent certainly to a greater extent for a lot of other people um yeah. This year has felt like, well, when's the end coming? Like, how can you, how can you keep put, putting in the effort or going through the, the discomfort when there's no there's no end in sight? And you think, well, yeah, it could go on forever. Yeah, I think I know the post you're talking about, and yeah, I mean, for me, family and my coach, I mean, they've done so much to support where I've got to, where I'm hope to continue to go to, and there's a lot of stuff behind the scenes that obviously don't share. Yeah. But, you know, when you're running, that's time away from your family. So, you know, when you're out there, you, you commit, you think, well, I can't just, you know, give up. But then at the same time, like you get to places where you think like, ah, oh, it does hurt and I, you want to stop. And I was thinking recently, that one probably two weeks ago, my legs were nice burning. And I just said to myself, I said to my legs, I said, thank you for being difficult and like giving me the resistance and, you know, making me stronger. And just like just being more thankful rather than trying to be like, I'm I've got this, I can fight for it. Cause sometimes you just need to speak to yourself in different ways to get the same result. Oh, I mean, self kindness, I think, is enormously important in all in all aspects of life. I mean, not just certainly not just in running. Um yeah. I think we uh, maybe maybe you and I share this. I think there's a lot of people who 
are quite are, are kind of really hard on themselves yeah and don't take into account that what they're trying to do is difficult and and um it's get, getting that balance right is fascinating isn't it i mean uh, you, you know running your own business there's always that thing i often have that that moment where i'm i'm sort of finishing for the day and it can be 10 o'clock at night and i think maybe i should just do another half an hour you know rather than thinking well just you know you've done a good day you should give yourself a pat on the back well done solid um I guess that's it's if if you you know we, when you get that balance wrong, whether that's in running or in life, that's where you reach burnout or potential or injury in running in running terms. Um, and it's always a game, isn't it, of of just sort of walking the edge yeah. and not and not going too far, but also not being too far within your comfort zone. That's the thing is of being a runner yourself. Like sometimes it's hard to know when that where that line is. You said, "Oh, that's another half an hour. Just keep going." And sometimes you bully yourself into doing things when you should say, "Just look." You said, "I've done a full day. Give myself um, some kindness here." Absolutely, absolutely. And funny enough, I think that that intersection of running and and life is also fluid. So I think you can get into a situation where you know you've just had a really difficult day, not in in life. You know, stuff has happened. Work has been really challenging, or whatever it happens to be. And for a lot of people, they look at their training schedule and they go, oh, wow, I've got 10-mile tempo tonight. <laughs> and, you know, it's not, especially for, for the vast majority of us who are running for pleasure, for, for the sort of self, for the challenge that we're setting ourselves and for the enjoyment rather than to make a living, I think you can say, well, maybe I won't do that 10-mile 10, 10 tempo session tonight. I'll do something else and, uh, you know, be, be a bit flexible. Um, but, yeah. That's the, that's the game, isn't it? That's the game. Getting that balance right is the, yeah. is 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 what we're always striving for. Yeah, and I think it's, it goes back to you know, being hard on ourselves. But I think wider than that, it's just you know thinking about what we can control, what we can't control. Being kind to ourselves, like you say, with a run, like I've done this with my coach. Sometimes you just say, well, can I move my um, session till tomorrow? Because mm. you know it won't have an impact. So it's like, so I do an easy run today, do a session tomorrow switch it yeah. around or if you can't do it you know in two days you just think okay skip it and then just do an easy run absolutely absolutely so you know i think that that's um and that and that's that's there's a degree of maturity in that i mean i know when i started running as in when i started trying to train for something i had a downloaded training plan yeah um and you know i was a maniac i did everything on the training plan without like I just was so inflexible and then and then you know I'd get injured or I'd just be miserable yeah and uh and it took me quite a while to figure out that actually um as long as you're tacking in the right direction broadly speaking you can afford to have a bit of flexibility because this should be this should be fun right it should be something that we do for for the for the joy rather than making ourselves miserable yeah, I completely agree. And I don't want to make it sound like an excuse, but I really doesn't sound like it. But unless you're an elite athlete where you've got a team around you that, you know, do things for you, you know, to take the life pressures off you so you can just focus on training, eating well, recovering. You know, most of us don't have that life when, like, you've got kids, you've got family, you've got work, you're running a business, you know, you've got other pressures in your life. So you need to be flexible and you can't always be 100% rigid. And sometimes we can be so hard on ourselves within that process. 
Well, absolutely. And, and you know, I, I don't think that, you know, we all know how hard it is sometimes to get out and get out the door for a run. And yeah. 30 steps up the road, you think, God, this is great. This feels fantastic. I'm so glad I'm out. This is wonderful. <laughs> so you do need to a little bit of like, come on, let's go and push yourself. Um, yeah. But I've spoken, I mean, I've interviewed, I've been fortunate through the magazine to interview lots and lots and lots of some of the best runners in the world. And very often they'll say, yeah, but, you know, you, you, you do have to listen to your body, isn't it? That's the cliche. But, you know, be aware of what you're capable of. And that could be emotionally or physically and, and, and adapt a little bit. You know, some days you want to just take your foot off the pedal and uh, do, do an easy run when possibly in your training plan it said you should have done something else. Yeah. Um, and it's the same in work. You know, uh, what I'm starting to realise is with the magazine – for, for example, we can't just be on all the time. We can't be foot to the floor all the time. Um, there are moments when we just have to, and we're a tiny team. I mean, there's four of us putting the magazine together. Um, there are moments where we have to, some, one, one of us, or yeah, one, one person at a time usually will say, I, I, just, I need just a few days away from it. And, and you know, you've got to respect that because as soon as it becomes drudge and misery then you're not doing it for the right reasons yeah that reminds me of a conversation that i had with charlie dark which will be a future episode which would be released shortly after this one i said what's one of the most important skills for like someone could learn for this year and he's he's talking about you know the ability to pivot Mm. and be uh, flexible yeah yeah absolutely and it's interesting isn't it if you take that back to the running world so um, this is this sounds like a, a, a terrible um, sort of pitch for the magazine, but it's not meant to be. We were told a story about four athletes who were running up Mount Kenya. And um, so it's a piece that's in this current edition of the mag. And what's behind it is that one of them in particular had had sort of a bit of a breakthrough race. And she'd been invited to race in, in the Paris Marathon. And the Paris Marathon is one of those international races that has a really good um, purse. So, you know, so were she to have won Paris Marathon or placed really highly, she would have earned an amount of money that would have been significant. Um, but of course, like all other races, Paris Marathon got, got cancelled. And the story really is about her and these other teammates wanting to do something with the fitness that they had and you know, they couldn't leave the country. And they, they, so they worked within the restrictions that they had. Um, but, but she talks about the fact that, um, you know, running out Mount Kenya is, the, is so different from her usual training. Like she doesn't do any of the sort of, you know, it was, there's snow on the top. She's like, that's not, that's not what I do. I was training to run Paris in, in, in sort of nice um, spring conditions or autumn conditions when it was, when it was postponed. Um, but, the, but the pivot thing I think is really important is having that flexibility and saying, well, yeah, you know, this is not open to me, so why don't I try something else? And I think as difficult as this year has been for so many people, and I'm not downplaying it in terms of people losing their lives, losing their jobs, I think that is probably one of the benefits of this year. If you look at it, just the ability to, to learn to pivot. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and And... I mean, I think there's, it, it, it's been a really dark year and I'm not underplaying that at all. Um, 
but I think maybe there could be a benefit uh, to this year, which is that it will, you know, encourage people to to be more flexible in their thinking or try different things or, you know, who, who knows? But um, necessity is the mother of invention, right? And you, yeah. you sort of, if you can adapt, then you, you can make uh, the most out of a bad situation, potentially. I know you're going to love this because it's a running analogy. It's kind of like, it's like running. You've got to do the like the interval sessions. You know, you've got to break your muscles down to make them stronger. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, yeah, stress and, and back to this uncomfortableness, you know, stressing yourself physically. And I have to say, you know, emotionally makes you a stronger runner in, in the long run provided it's not too much and I do think that we should acknowledge that for some people this year for many people this year it, it's it's not been a growth experience it's just been you know utterly miserable um, and that you know we shouldn't ever forget that um, that's not to be underestimated that's a good point because you know with races taken away medals taken away I think people have really had to focus on why they're running what they're doing it for and mm. i've been the same when, when london was taken away i was just like what am i what am i doing mm. you know you have to have those those difficult conversations with yourself and figure out why you're gonna you know do what you're gonna do because like you said you everyone's sitting in front of their doors looking at their trainers that long set of their trainers before they head out the door then 30 seconds down the road they're like it's the best thing ever <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> 10 minutes before it's just like self-torture yeah like just spending 40 minutes agonizing over whether you should be wearing tights or shorts or whether you need a jacket. And if you wear a jacket and you get too hot and actually, if you are going to wear a jacket, which jacket? And it's like, just, you know, you go out and you think, wow, this is great. I love running. What, yeah. a, what a cool reminder. I've forgotten in the last 24 hours how much I love running. Oh my gosh. That's either. Yeah. That point about running jackets, there's so many different types of running jackets. <laughs> you, you've got to make sure you get, get it right. Cause obviously you could be sweating too much or it's just, you know, not enough. Okay. I'm going for an attendance. So I want to stop there. <laughs> so, yeah, uh, so Simon, this podcast is called a runner's life. What does a runner's life mean to you? Wow. I mean, it's, um, life is, nothing if not change and I have to say that I have been through from a running you know from a running point of view running has has sort of ebbed and flowed and changed and adapted over the years I mean I I as I think you mentioned in the uh, intro I started out um really the, the reason I started running in the first place was because I was desperately trying to lose uh, a bit of weight and and undo the damage that you know a decade and a half of smoking and and uh, drinking too much and eating badly um, had had on my body, um, and I actually started out cycling. Um, I, somebody gave me a bike, and I thought oh, I'll I'll try I'll try cycling, um, but my partner at the time got fed up with the fact that I went from zero to going out for three or four or five hour rides. Um, so she suggested that I could do something that would take less time. Uh, and the thing that I found that took less time was running. And in fact, my first run was round a block where I lived in St. John's Wood in central London. Um, and it's about a mile. And I think it took me about 15 minutes, um, including a couple of sort of stops to 
dry heave. Um, so yeah, it definitely took less time. And, and from there, I just, as you mentioned, I kind of just got bitten by the running bug. I just was driven by curiosity, like, you know, can I run that one block lap quicker? Um, or can I go a bit further, you know, can I get down to Regent's Park or whatever? And it just became a, you know, what, what am I, what am I capable of achieving? Um, but then I have to say, when I ran, just uh, when I ran my PB, I kind of thought I'm done with it. Um, so kind of stepped away from marathon running or trying to run a PB, uh, at the marathon. So it's kind of gone through a few phases. Um, I'm now probably running, running more than I have for a while, but certainly a lot less than I was when, when I was trying to run a, a decent marathon time. So when you did your personal best, did you think that that was your limit? I, do you know what? I knew it wasn't. <laughs> I, I knew it wasn't physically. But as we talked about earlier, there was life. So what had happened was that um, my wife, Julie, and I had launched our marketing business. And we'd launched Like the Wind within six months. And then, so that was at the at the sort of, and that was six months before I ran my PB. So literally as I crossed the finish line, I thought, well, I reckon I could have run, I reckon I could run quicker, but I can't sustain these 80, 90 mile weeks whilst also trying to set up two businesses. And it was relatively easy when I worked for someone else because my day was so structured. You know, I knew what time I needed to be in the office. I now was lunch break. I knew what time I could leave, um, fit all my training around that. And make lots of sort of choices about what I would and wouldn't do. But suddenly I was trying to set up a business where, you know, 14, 16 hour days suddenly become not unusual. Um, so, yeah, physically, I'm sure I could have gone quicker, especially if those Nike shoes had been around at the time. <laughs> um, <right. Yeah. laughs> but uh, I. Yeah, I, I had to make a choice. I had to make a choice. And frankly, from where I started, the physical shape I was in when I started running to running 237, um, I thought, well, maybe you should be happy with that and, and, and look at a different challenge, which was setting up our marketing business and launching Like the Wind. I mean, you can't have regrets in life because obviously like you said, it's not an easy decision to make, to make one or the other, but do you have any regrets of not kind of trying to push forward with that goal? I'm not saying that's the right thing, mm. by the way. Mm. No, no, no. I, I, I have never admitted this outside of very close friends, but it happens all the time. Like for example, last weekend I watched the Valencia marathon. Sorry, not the weekend, just on the weekend before we were recording this. I watched the Valencia marathon, which was live streamed on their website. And I thought, wow, I absolutely love marathon running and I miss it terribly. And, and I miss running fast on the roads. And I'm not, by the way, suggesting, you know, I mean, the guys that, that were running in Valencia were running, you know, the 204, 205. I'm not ever proposing that I was in that sort of shape, but I thought, wow, nothing has quite filled the void um, that I feel when I see marathons 
or, or, or talk to people that are that are pushing hard to try and achieve their marathon dreams. And I think, oh man, could I have run two thirty five? Maybe. So I regret it all the time. It's a hard one, isn't it? I guess it's like it's like a relationship. It does change, and I guess as time goes on, you'll sort of find what works for you. Yeah, and and you know there was an element of. Um, who cares if I run 236? Like I've run 237. Who cares if I run 236? Who cares if I run 232? It, it's just, it's, it's, it's meaningless other, other than, I don't know, kind of, you know, f- the, the feeling of having done something to the best of your, the best of your ability. And, and what I felt was, and I still feel, is that with something like, like the wind, I've got this other challenge, this other way of kind of expressing myself. Um, probably a shame I couldn't have done both but you know I mean you you ran your you ran your first sub three this year right yeah in October yeah November yeah October you know if I said to you what time will you be happy with you know what what's the what's the marathon time that you say if I get that I'll be super happy if I never run another marathon and whatever number you give me I would be tempted to say, I don't believe you. <laughs> because I think what will happen is you'll run that time, which, which now you might think, you know, if I ran 229, that yeah. would, I'd be, I, oh man, I'd be so happy. I'd, I'd, I'd hang up my trainers and I'd be like super satisfied. The problem is if you ran 229, I'm pretty sure that a week or two afterwards, if I said to you, you know, how are you feeling about, you know, tossing your trainers on the bonfire, you'd be like, oh, you know, maybe I could run 225. <laughs> I think I still get more, more. Yeah, we all sort of feel like that. So, um, yeah, yeah, it's just a, um, I think, I think I'm a bit of an all or nothing kind of person. Yeah. Um, and I took that approach with smoking and drinking and, and, I took that approach with running and I think I've taken that approach with, you know, business and, and, you know, with like the wind. Um, so I find it difficult to, to do two things at once to the best of my ability. Um, but honestly, there isn't as barely a week goes by that. I don't think, Oh man, it'd be great to be back trying to, challenge you know run run a run a, a better a faster marathon or something but i think as a people with there's so many sides of us and ultimately like you said we're asking the question of ourselves what am i capable of achieving and that could be within running that could be within life that could be within business i mean there's so many aspects of us as people like you can't just tie yourself up not saying that you are doing this as as, as like a runner because there's always going to be aspects you think oh, i could do this but you can't because this <laughs> there's only so much time that we can we can give to be good at anything do you know what I mean it's just that's the frustrating thing of life as well <laughs> you can mm. be good at a couple of things well and the other thing is that that you know I do think that um you know I, I didn't start running until I was just about to turn 30 um and I remember I I, I met a guy at a half marathon and I'd come in the top I don't know the top 20 or something so as I made my way from the finish line to the to the um to the baggage 
area to pick up my bag. The, the guy that was giving me the giving me my bag, you know, said, "How'd you get on?" And I told him what time I'd done and what position I'd finished in. He said, "Oh, great, great, good for you. How long you've been, you know, how long you've been running?" And I think at that point I said to him, "Oh, you know, five years." And he said, uh, "He said, oh, yeah, well, seven seven or eight years is you'll hit your peak." <laughs> and I remember thinking, "Well, what a maniac! Like, what do you know? You, we don't even we don't we know nothing about one another. Like, what are you talking about? How many years do you reckon it took me to run my marathon PB?" He's probably right about seven, five, seven yeah, years. Eight, eight years, yeah, eight years. And but the, 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 there is this point where. You know, I'm 45 now. Um, you know, there is a reason that the VET 45 marathon world record is not 201. And, and it is because you just, you get slower. Like you, you know, it's, there is an element of, um, you can't constantly just get faster and faster and faster as you get older. So, yeah. um, can't, say that I don't every so often just check to see what the Vet 45 record for a, <laughs> for a race is. Think, oh, I wonder if I could get in that kind of shape. <laughs> yeah, I think it's, it's it's a part of love as, as well, isn't it? So I'm just thinking, like, but where does that drive come from to, to sort of see what you're capable of achieving come from? Oh, well, I honestly... If I think about myself, uh, if I think about <clears throat> growing up, I was always just mediocre, just 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 all right. I, was, I never excelled at anything. I was very yeah, very mediocre. Mediocre at school, did all right. Got a mediocre degree, you know. Um, and my dad, my dad was in in his youth was a bit of a superstar you know my dad was a was a boxer boxed for england and uh was a bit of a superhero um and my and his best friend was a was a an eye surgeon and a bodybuilder so again kind of quite a quite a sort of superstar character and i think i always just felt a bit yeah a bit mediocre and certainly with running what happened was that i latched onto something where it clearly fit, it suited me. Like I wasn't ever going to go and become an Olympic weightlifter or, a, a, you know, a top class rugby player. Just, I don't know, well, for whatever reason, whether it's physical or, or mental, I just didn't gel with all those other things that I'd tried. Um, so I think the drive comes from wanting to prove to myself and probably to a lot of other people that I'm sort of better than mediocre. Um, I don't know how healthy that is, but uh, I remember I remember running a, a, a race in Brighton, and, and I suspect it was a half, I think it must have been a half marathon. And my parents had basically never seen me, had never been to any races that I'd done. And it was pouring with rain, absolutely coming down in stair rods and freezing cold. And my parents turned up, um, and I remember seeing them on the course wrapped up against the elements and then when we got to the they then came to the finish and met me at the finish and I was just drowned you know like you know when you finish a race and you just like you could have been in a bath yeah and my mum kind of you know elbowed my dad in the ribs and said, give me a coat give me a coat look at him he's turning blue 
And my dad gave me his coat and he didn't say anything, but he just kind of like gave me a little punch on the arm and winked at me as if to say, done all right, son. And I just remember thinking that was, and I was 35 at this point, you know, I wasn't, I'm not talking, I wasn't seven. Um, But I just remember thinking that was, that meant the world to me that, that he had sort of given me that, that acknowledgement. So I think I'm, yeah, driven, driven a bit by that. That's quite powerful because that sort of links into where you talked about a bit earlier about, you know, whether they have to stop a bit late, you know, at 10, half 10 or you keep going on. Mm. Well, yeah. And, and, and I, I mean, people talk about this a lot, don't they? they talk about imposter syndrome. I mean, with Light the Wind magazine, um, you know, when, when Julie and I started the mag, we literally, between us, had a sum total of no experience of publishing a magazine. <laughs> Nothing. You know, and... And I think that we're probably still motivated by wanting people to go, wow, this is great. You know, this is because it's for readers. We're not doing, you know, the, the, the magazine is for the people that, that buy it. Um, you know, as anyone that's seen the magazine will know, we don't really have much in the way of advertising. So we absolutely love the brands that support the Mac, but we're talking about two or three per edition, not dozens. Um, really, the, the 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 whole point is is the, the 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 subscribers and the readers. So we get are oh, just absolutely dizzy, beside ourselves with excitement when someone sends us a message saying how much they like the mag or that there's a particular thing in it that they've that, that's sort of spoken to them. Um, so yeah, that that's that to me is why I think oh, if I spent an extra. Yeah, half an hour or whatever, or spent Sunday working on the mag. I can, I can just make it a little bit better. Um, yeah. But I guess, are you happy at this, with what you're doing? Do you think there's a point where do you think you keep chasing? <laughs> I do. You like you relax. Am I happy with two thirty-seven? No. <laughs> um, <laughs> no, I'm not. I'm not. More I mean, with the, like the magazine and just the, in terms of the direction that's taking and just the impact that's having in the community. Or do you think there's like a part of it that thinks still keep pushing for something else? Oh, absolutely. 100% I want the magazine to get better and better and better and better in every respect. So I want, I want more people to discover the magazine and, and, and subscribe and, and, and read the stories that, that, that I believe have got so much kind of, you know, significance, um, whether they're personal anecdotes or whether they're things that we write as features those I, I'm so anxious for those stories to be read um, that I want more people to, to to sort of engage with the mag from that point of view. Um, I want the magazine to kind of continue to evolve creatively, visually. You know what it looks like. Um, I want to do more to support writers and photographers and illustrators um, if if we can. Um, you know, there's a million. There's a million running stories untold running stories out there that i'm that i'm desperate to there's one that i almost want to tell you but i'm but i can't yet um but a story that i'm working on at the moment and the thrill for me is that i've stumbled across this story and when i google it nothing comes up and i'm like hold on a second this is an amazing tale and it's not been told and i just think it needs to be out there in the world um 
you know, another example, um, and actually you mentioned Tracksmith and they're doing it, that we have independently and at the same time both talked about the same thing, um, which was this this track um, organization in, in New York, uh, this sort of uh, club in New York, uh, the Pioneer Club. And when I started reading about the Pioneer Club, I just thought it's so, um, the story is not told enough like it, it needs to be out there more um so yeah i just constantly want to improve it and i think 2021 will see big improvements in the mag because we've we've kind of caught a second wind um to use another running analogy and link it back to the magazine as well i like that sort of link <laughs> sort of... yeah yeah but i think yeah the story's like you know like i say i'd like I think just history, really, just a culture of just like the Pioneer Club. Those are the kind of experiences that don't get told. And I'm just thinking like wider. So if you say look at the mainstream magazines online, uh, you know, information, you know, you've got Athletics Weekly and things like that. I mean, what kind of sets you apart and what are you trying to tell differently to what's out there currently? Um. Well, I don't think we're doing anything utterly unique, um, but I think that that there are a lot of stories that deserve um, space. They deserve space and time. Um, you do a great job with the podcast, for example, of, of having a conversation for an hour, um, whereas a news article on the television might be, you know, they try and get a story into two minutes. You know, there's this very sort of small bite-sized bits of story or, or, or information. I think what Like the Wind does differently to other running magazines, which is not to say better, but just differently, is that we give lots and lots and lots of space. So when people write to us and say, I've got a story, or when we're exploring a story, there's no limit. If the story is 4,000 words or 8,000 words or 10,000 words, you know, we can accommodate all of that because that's the nature of the journal rather than, um, you know, a magazine full of bite-sized bits of information. Um, so I think that's what sets it apart. I mean, in the early days, somebody um, made a comment, I think, um, online somewhere about Like the Wind, and they said, oh, the, the best thing about Like the Wind magazine is that you need a bookmark to read it. And I just thought, that is perfect. That's exactly what I'd always wanted. Um I have this always have this sort of image that somebody gets the mag and they make a cup of tea or they open a beer or pour a glass of wine or whatever the appropriate drink for the time of day is and sit down and spend 20 minutes reading a story. Um, that That's where I think we're sort of different from other running magazines. But I have to say, there's lots of magazines in, in other, especially in other sports, that are that taught type of thing. So, you know, things like Rilleur in cycling or the surfers journal in surfing that, that are similar in that sense it kind of reminds me you know a bit old school obviously before it went digital but i know it's still not you know in print where you get like the sunday times and that event would, would be an event itself you'd go to the paper shop get in sunday times bring yeah. it back read it go through all the supplements i mean that took time and effort to go through and digest all that information yeah, absolutely. I, that's really funny you should bring that up. I remember, um, you know, when I was relatively young, uh, a family friend 
describing to me how they would buy the Sunday Times and still be working on it on Thursday. <laughs> you know, I thought, what? I just, I'd, I'd kind of, you know, buy the Beano on Saturday, and but about half an hour later, it, I'd have, I've got, I've gone through it. You know, um, but I guess, I, I mean, probably uh, you and I um, will probably share this. You know, a bookshelf full of running books. Um, you know, I love sitting down. I've just, I've just finished reading Bob Hodge's uh, sort of biography or mem- memoir, I suppose. Um, and I just, I, I, so I love running books. So it was kind of that idea of, you know, you just put a, put a pause in your day for 20 minutes or half an hour or whatever. Um, and just spend a bit of time, you know, with a, with a story, which I think is, 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 is great. I agree. And, you know, I've seen, for example, you know, you featured the uh, New York filmmaker coffee and I've seen him in, well, listen to a podcast. I've seen him featured in like Runners World, etc. But I've not seen it as like covered in as much depth as your article did, and I think that's what you know really comes across. And one of the things about this issue twenty six point two that um, I'm making the magazine that I want to read. Truth be told, and when Coffee, he so we were in contact, and I said that I would like. Um, like to feature his story and he sort of asked me for guidelines around what I wanted and I said well I I can't really give you any because I I, there's no limit if the story is worth 10 pages then we'll, we'll run 10 pages and what he sent me exemplifies everything that I've always wanted like the wind to be like it absolutely stopped me in my tracks and I don't mind admitting that I sat and read the the word doc that he emailed to me um you know with tears in my eyes like it's it's uh, and I, and it's not to say I don't I don't want kind of anyone that doesn't know the mag to think that it's just all super heavy stuff it's not I mean you know we have really funny stories we have really quirky stories but Coffee's story, um, yeah, just absolutely stopped me in my tracks. It, it's a phenomenal piece of writing. And I'm honoured that he would take the time to write that many words. And we are therefore not duty-bound, but, yeah, I mean, grateful to be able to run such a big piece because what he wrote was needs need saying. And and if we can be a platform for that, that's amazing. And like you say, sometimes in other platforms, I'm not disparaging other platforms. Sometimes it's it's a lot shorter sound bites, and sometimes you need to. It's like having a meal, really. You need the seasoning. You need all the parts of it. You don't just need that part unseasoned by itself. <laughs> so. Right. And and but, but but there's no right or wrong. I mean, yeah. you know, I enjoy back in the good old days when we were allowed to. I enjoy going and sitting in the cinema for two and a half hours and watching a film. And I don't do anything else while I'm doing that. I'm watching that film. But I also enjoy YouTube. And I also enjoy Instagram. So there's no sort of, I'm not saying one is right or one is wrong. Um, And I think probably, um, you know, the growth in the number of people buying the mag is not limited, but 
is is sort of it dictates the, the, the nature of the magazine dictates the speed of growth because you probably do need to be somebody that you know wants to sit and spend 40 minutes reading a story which on occasion could be a bit challenging um because that's again a big part of what we want like the wind to be something that you know makes people think and not everyone wants that and that's fine <laughs> you know um but yeah yeah there's different publications for different results you know what i mean so whether you want something just like results just general kind of highlights or just features of current running themes i mean like you said this all got a place for sure Absolutely. but then i think this year it's been shows it that i think sometimes people want sometimes a little bit more especially with no races well my theory races. yeah my theory around this year and like the wind has been that people have been looking to connect with running culture in more ways because there's no races you can't go you can't go running with your crew you can't turn up at your club runs i mean obviously for a lot of people you weren't even allowed to go out with your training buddy at points this year um so i think that people have you know discovered like the wind and the stories as as a almost like as a proxy for um you know ways in which they would ordinarily kind of engage with running that's just a theory yeah yeah it makes sense and like you said it's it's something that's been explored and you know as because no one's got the answers really i mean we're all kind of just going through it in the minute so and it's what feels right making it up as we go along <laughs> i don't know if we'll make it up but i think you've got to go with your gut do you know what i mean sometimes mm. i mean there's things that we we learn from other people i mean and you know this you know you don't say like it's all like brand new and no one else has come up with this before <laughs> at the same time at the same time, it's like, yeah, you've got to go with what you feel is right. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and you know, publishing a magazine with with the lack of experience. I mean, we, we are learning by doing. There's many, many, many moments where I'm sort of second guessing myself. You know, is this the right tone? Is this the right article to write? Is this the right piece to publish? Um, and you don't, yeah, you, it's, it's a... It was one of the wonderful things, right, about about doing something like this is, is it is a constant learning. So I'm learning not just about the art of writing and, and, the, and the practice of publishing and the commercial reality of publishing a magazine. These are all lessons that I'm learning, but I'm also learning from the people that write for us. So, you know, the New, the New York Pioneer Club or Coffee's piece about running to protest, they're, they're, those writers, those people that are, that are part of those stories are teaching me stuff about the world that I, I'm ashamed to say I was, was naive about. Um, and we can give you a really good example. I was approached by uh, a lady at an event back when we were all hanging out together. And she asked me what I knew about um, non-binary people and, 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 and the, the place of non-binary people in running. And I had to say, I didn't even know what that was. I didn't know what, what a non-binary person was. I didn't understand what the term meant. So over the space of however many months it took me to research and write um, the piece for the magazine, I learned about it. You know, I was, spoke to a friend of mine who uh, is a race organiser out in California because I knew, I found out that he had adapted all of his events 
to accommodate non-binary people. And we had an hour long conversation. And honestly, the, the primary focus of the conversation was me trying to understand what all this was about. Um, same goes for, you know, racism, same goes for issues that affect elite athletes. Um, same goes for the environment. I hadn't, you know, we've got a piece in this current edition about sustainable footwear. I did, I suppose in the back of my mind, I knew that running shoes are made out of, most running shoes are made out of plastic. And, you know, when I was at a point where I was running 100 miles a week, I was going through a pair of running shoes in six or seven or eight weeks. And where were they going? Probably in landfill, almost certainly into landfill. Um, but it's only when you start researching a piece like that that you, st- you suddenly start to really understand some of the issues. Um, so, yeah, that's, so it's a learning. Can you share any of the, the learnings from that without giving too much away? The sustainable shoes piece? Yeah. Well, I think the main learning was... Okay, so I'll tell you the thing that surprised me the most was I spoke to some experts in sustainability, um, people that work in the field of sustainability with, re- with regards to um, textiles. And they said that the issue is not necessarily the materials that are used in the manufacture of shoes. The issue is how quickly shoes are discarded independently of each other they pretty much all said the same thing which is that they it apparently now that so they're talking about they're probably talking more apparel but the general rule of thumb is that um, a pair of shoes is in landfill within 12 months of purchase most of the time and if you kept that pair of shoes for another year you reduce its impact on the environment by 73 percent just by keeping it for another year now obviously when you're talking about running footwear, there's a performance aspect to, you know, once you've run, you know, a thousand miles in a pair of shoes, they, they start to lose their, um, you know, start to lose their performance um, aspects. But that really surprised me that, that, that the experts were saying, we're not so much worried about what the shoes are made out of. We're worried about how quickly they're discarded. Um, and then the, the good news is, how many brands are making efforts, significant efforts, to try and reduce the impact that, that the footwear that they manufacture has on the environment? Whether that is, um, you know, there's a couple of brands that are um, manufacturing shoes where you send them back and they recycle them. And then there's obviously brands that are making shoes in a more sustainable way in the first place, so not dyeing them or making them out of recycled plastic. And then there's brands that are making shoes out of stuff that is just going to biodegrade in a matter of you know months rather than um, hundreds of years, centuries. I think it's twofold, really. I think it's one that's on the brand to the brands to do what you just said, but also it's on the users because I think people could just feel like I get it, I throw it away, it's out of my eyesight, it's not my problem anymore. A hundred percent. And, and, and I remember years ago, um, talking to, uh, a brand who was, who'd announced a new, you know, they do this thing, don't they? For spring, we've got this new, the, whatever the, the so-and-so 25 has come out. And this brand, I asked them what the difference was. 
I said, well, what's, what's the difference between the, this, the 25 and the 24? And the, and the guy that was talking to me said, oh, it's a colour-up. And I was like, what, what, what is, what's a colour-up? And effectively, the shoe's identical. It's just a different colour. And I thought, wow. So I wonder how many people think that they need to upgrade because the, the, the number 25 is out. And in reality, they're buying exactly the same shoe. It's just a different, just different colour. Um, so I think the industry's got a big, big role to play. I think also, yeah, yeah, consumers. And I think consumers are making better decisions. But, you know, on a micro level, and we're always open to um, putting our hands up and saying that we can do better, um, we're trialling wrappers. The magazine is being shipped in wrappers made out of potato starch. Um, because, and it's way more expensive, and we don't know how resilient it's going to be. Like, we, we could have a situation where people are going to start sending us emails saying, my magazine's turned up and the wrapper's fragile and, I don't know, what happens to potato starch when it gets wet in the rain? I, yeah. You know, we don't know. Um, so it could cost us a fortune. We might be sending out dozens and dozens, hundreds of, hundreds of copies of replacement mags because th- th- they've arrived in a dishevelled state. Um, but, you know, we're trying to do our bit. Um, and I guess the consumer can make a decision about, you know, keeping the mag rather than ditching it or passing it on to someone else. Or, you know, there's lots of both, both parties can can um, can play a part. But I think, yeah, a lot of other sort of magazines are doing something similar type things in terms of removing plastics and trying to go for more sustainable paper sources to cover the magazines. Because I think we all need to play a part really. We can't be talking about it and uh, doing the opposite and... <laughs> Well, and, and, and do you know what? That's a really interesting point as well. So this, again, this comes back to our naivety when we started publishing the magazine. So we went to our printer and said, we want this magazine to be as environmentally um, in, un, unimpactful as possible. Like whatever we do is going to have an impact on the environment, but we want to minimise the impact. So we want to use recycled paper. And the printer said, I'm not sure that's the right decision. And when you do a bit of research, you realise that actually, if you want to print on recycled paper, the process of getting recycled paper white requires so much bleach that actually it's far worse than using a a, a responsibly sourced, it's called FSC, Forestry, Forest, Forest, Forestry Steward Commission source of paper. Yeah. And I, you know, in my mind, I just thought, oh, Surely recycled paper is the most environmentally friendly material, which it probably it, it is for toilet paper and anything that doesn't need to be super white. Um, but yeah, it's all, it's all a learning, right? Yeah, absolutely. Imagine you were interviewing yourself for like the Wind magazine. Mm. What would you ask yourself and what things would you want to share? Um, I'm not saying this because I happen to, you, you happen to be interviewing me. But I, honestly, a lot of the questions you've asked me are the kind of questions that I would always want to ask of, of a subject. So, you know, getting behind the, 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 sub, the strap line to the mag is it's why we run. So I think I would be asking myself, well, what, what, what's the motivation behind what you would, were trying to achieve with your running and what you're trying to achieve now? Um, and, you've, and you've covered a lot of those things. Um, I think I probably, if I was asking someone else, and you know, for example, if I was 
asking you or, or, or someone like Mario or someone like that, you know, what, what's the plans for the future? Because I think we're all motivated by what, what's coming next, right? You finish a race and most people immediately think, right, what's next? Yeah. <laughs> um, so I'm always keen on, on sort of, I would probably say to myself, well, you know, what, what are you trying to achieve next? And actually, it is a conversation that we have internally all the time. Um, you know, where, where, where are we taking the mag next? What's the, what's the, what's the plans for the future? Notwithstanding, the world seems to be turned upside down. So, you know, making plans is difficult. Um, that would probably be what I'd be gunning for. It's like, where do you take the magazine next? Where do you take your running next? Where do you take your own growth and development next? It's yeah. so many things all wrapped yeah. together. I do you know what? It, well, and, and in answer to the, if it's a, if it's a real question, I I am going through a phase of just thinking I want to get back running on the roads, which is probably daft, but I can't shake off this feeling of, of just wanting to try and run. I was talking to a friend at the weekend um, who has had his entire year of racing kind of you know cancelled. And he had been and run a, ran a, a 10K on the roads and ran like 33 minutes, 33.50, I think he said he ran. And I just was so pumped for him. I was so excited. And at the same time, I just thought, right, that's I, I, I want to try and get myself back in shape to do something. Not, not 33.50, that seems a little bit quick, but get back to um, yeah, racing on the roads. So who knows? Watch this space. <laughs> 2021 I mean yeah why not why not it's a funny thing because like I think for me like running this year with like well the race that I ran in it was so it was so so strange even though it was my first sub three you know you cross the line it's just you there you pick up your medal it's really anti-climatic you know (laughs) Um, not that you sort of go into kind of a blues type thing afterwards but it's just like it really engaged you to like, well, why are you running in the first place? And it's nice that even though it's just me there, you, just, you know what you've done to get to that, that place. But, but, but to sort of flip this back around again, you're a storyteller. You know, you have the podcast, you've got your social channels. And whilst the, you know, getting to the end of that race, I'm sure was, was, was a weird experience. Um, what you've done is you've, you've created a story there that you have the opportunity to then tell. And I think that that's actually super valuable. Um, you know, I remember one of my, one of, one of my favorite running experiences was running a race, which I don't think exists anymore, um, called Tring to Town. So Tring in Hertfordshire into central London along the canal. And I ran it with my best mate. We'd both sort of given up smoking and we were both trying to get in shape at a similar time. So it's, it, I think it's like 50 miles and we ran this, this sort of race together and had a sort of fantastic uh, experience, you know, running along and, and kind of just chatting and singing and all sorts of stuff. But when you arrive because of the nature of the race there's literally like three people at the finish line and they just kind of shake you by the hand and hand you a medal and then you wander off. <laughs> it was like there was nothing there. I think we, I think we all went to the. There was a pub nearby, and we all sort of congregated in the pub. And you'd come in every sort of forty minutes. Someone else would would come in. But the story of that 
race is something that will live with me forever. Um, and it's, and now we have the opportunity through, you know, through social media, through podcasts, through, uh, you know, magazines and what have you to share those stories. So I think um, we're still creating stories, which is great. Um, that, that, that's really exciting for me. And still just trying to monitor and to see what's happening with running and how it's changing and how the pandemic's changed and what's going to look like moving forward. Just observing more than actually trying to say this is definitively where running is. Yeah, absolutely. We, I, I mean, um, you know, I've mentioned Julie a couple of times, the co-founder of our marketing agency and, and, and also the creative director for the magazine. And we were talking about um, just this very topic yesterday. And, and I was saying that there's a famous um, uh, talk um, by Malcolm Gladwell about tomato sauce, pasta sauce. And, and the sort of punchline is there is no perfect pasta sauce. There's perfect pasta sauces because, you know, different people have different tastes. And so I think that what's, what we're seeing in running is kind of cultures, not necessarily running culture. It's not a homogenous thing. It's like, for some people, it's all about competition. It's about racing. It's about PBs. I guess for other people, it's much more about mental health or physical health. For some people, I think they they are, you know, unified through um, social channels and storytelling and what have you. For other people, it's much more about being physically together in in whatever form that that can take. Um, so I, I'm really fascinated by just as you observing what's happening and how running's changing. Um, but I think it's, I think there's lots of strands to it um, rather than one overarching kind of running culture. I totally agree with you. And I'm not just saying that because you're on the podcast, but it's something I've been thinking about because in life generally, I mean, you can't be too definitive about anything because, you know, life is by its very nature is evolving and changing. So, we always have to be kind of open-minded to what the situation is. And and I've been in the same situation where, you know, you're running and you, you're running for different reasons at different points in your life. It could be to, to lose weight. It could be about, you know, for times. And to that person, that is, you know, what running is. But when I take a step back, I'm like, you know, it's so many different things and it's not just one thing. And that's what you sort of really sort of summed up, like, it's community but it's you know there's different strands of that community absolutely and and you know we talked about this right at the you know earlier in the podcast about you know i think running not only is running different for different people i think running also changes um for us individually you know be, maybe it becomes more about competition or less about competition or or maybe it comes becomes more about community or maybe it becomes less about community and it's actually the thing that you do very selfishly on your own because it's your only time when you're not kind of engaging with other people and that can change. And I think that that's also a wonderful thing. You know, it's a great, um, it's, it's one of the great things about running is that it's so adaptable to whatever, whatever's going on in your life. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, as you're, as a person, you grow, you change. I mean, for me, for example, when I first started running, I was running to almost escape the difficulties, mm. which sounds ridiculous now, you know, you think if you get to a certain level, you can you run past it. But now I'm the opposite. I'm just like, I want to be in that space of being uncomfortable. Yeah. I feel that's where the growth is. That's where the magic happens. Yeah, absolutely. 
and 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 I think you kind of in some cases you're running from things and in other cases you're running towards things and and, and again it's a mixture yeah. um but yeah that how your relationship to running changes is is fascinating yeah like you say like sometimes it could be times it could be whatever so I think as long as you have that love for running at your core you know wherever it takes you just uh just trust just just trust your gut yeah yeah absolutely absolutely and 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 adapt i think as you said right at the beginning you know being flexible pivoting um is 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 absolutely key especially in a year like this year yeah i totally agree what makes you feel most empowered wow crumbs um well currently i have to say and this is a double-edged sword choosing or thinking about what we're going to talk about in like the wind is very empowering because i think we've got a platform or or i know we have a platform that allows us to talk about things that are important in the world beyond running we see it through the lens of running but we can talk about things that are um you know important in life and that and that definitely makes me feel empowered it's using your voice to you know speak your truth really yeah and not worrying too much about whether that upsets people um you know we are going to continue to talk about racism uh, gender issues um issues in elite sport, the environment. We're going to keep doing that because we can. And, uh, you know, some people might not like that, but that's, we, we, we think that we've got a voice and we, we have a we have a, an opportunity and a responsibility to use it. Yeah, totally agree. If you could give your younger self one piece of advice, what would you tell yourself? Well, for goodness sake, look after your health and don't wait until you're nearly 30 before you take up running <laughs> simply. And, and actually this was advice that was given to me many, many, many times and I ignored it. So um, if I thought that I would have listened to myself, that's what I would have said. <laughs> awesome. What is one non-negotiable behavior habit or superstition that you do daily? Well, I mean, I think I'm obsessed with I'm obsessed with work. So, I, I it's very rare that a day goes by when I'm not when I'm not working, and I mean seven days a week. Um, but I think that that's a, 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 a habit that I'm trying to curb a little bit. Um, so, what I would like to say is the non the thing at the moment is is yeah work, which I'd like to replace with replace some of the work with a bit more running i mean do you do you have any space there where you're sort of slowing down and just in the moment i mean obviously no people say running is in the moment but i mean just still mm. that moving um well i'm still obsessed with stories right so i yeah. all i i think every single day i read stories yeah. so books other magazines um you know, I love outdoors magazines, things like Sidetracked, um, blog posts, 
So there's, there's always a story. I think uh, it would be a very rare day when I don't have a story. And I'm both interested in the story and also the, the skill of the storyteller. I'm trying yeah. to learn the whole time how I can improve what, what I'm doing when I, come to tell it, when I come to tell stories. So those are the quiet moments. Try and step away from the computer and, 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 and read a book. And I've got a good collection. And I'm, there's an urgency about wanting to get through, get on, you know, enjoying the book that I'm in, but also wanting to kind of get on to the next one because I'm excited about that. Yeah, I think when you find someone that's a good storyteller, I've got a great way of words it's really inspiring to sort of see it, to read it, to, to see how it makes you feel, how you receive yeah, it. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, even separately, I, I mean, I, I try to stay off politics and, <laughs> and nutrition, but I would say this. So one book I've been reading recently is uh, Barack Obama's new book. Right. Um, opposite from running. But for me, the thing I love about that book is this, you get an insight into what it's like to be the leader, you know, to be the most powerful position in the world and uh, one of the things that he says is like the time that you're president the problems that <laughs> the problem that gets you if it had a really easy answer they would have already been solved <laughs> so you're basically trying to make the best out of an imperfect situation yeah well i know no, absolutely and 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 i it just it's unimaginable to me how he and, and many and many leaders achieved what achieve what they achieve um yeah. because you know there are days when i'm faced with two or three things that i'm trying to get done and, and i struggle to get through the day i kind of end up scratching my head thinking comes how is it five o'clock already um but it but it's i think again and i haven't read i haven't read um president obama's book uh, i'm sure I, I will definitely that would be that's exactly the kind of thing that i would um that, that i'll be getting into but I think that very often those people talk about just breaking things down into sort of manageable bite-sized chunks, right? And uh, yeah, um, and just trying to you can't do you can't do everything all at once. And sometimes it's, it's easy to get overwhelmed by the scale of the thing that you're trying to achieve or the problem you're trying to solve. Um, you've just got to yeah, pick 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 your battles. Um, yeah, I think the thing I, I admired most is just how he he remained. A degree of composure and perspective in an imperfect world with imperfect decisions whereas you know sometimes you know in your regular life something could happen and you can deal with it with emotion and just let it overwhelm you not that it says that he's above that but I just really respected how his thought processes and how he processed things yeah yeah absolutely and i think that, that, that looking back on um those sorts of you know he's 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 now telling a story with the benefit of hindsight so it's it's not the opposite of news it's but it's there's an element of well we can see how things worked out and i think that that's what i love about storytelling is that you're you 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 take a moment to appreciate the importance of something that has happened and and it's and its impact um you know we mentioned it before but this piece that we wrote about the new york pioneer club yeah i'm not entirely sure that the people that were involved in the New York Pioneer Club understood the significance of what they were doing in the moment that they were doing it. I think they were trying to solve a problem to the best of their ability there and then. And what's really interesting is talking to people now who are in their 70s and 80s who were involved in it. And, and, and with a degree of hindsight, they can see that the collection of all of the 
actions that they took have resulted in a legacy that is now, you know, has now shaped running culture and 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 even contributed to the the sort of broader discussion around race and racism. Um, so yeah, I look forward to getting that one. Maybe maybe Santa will bring it for me. <laughs> maybe. But going back to what you just said there, it's almost like a marathon. I don't know, another running analogy. About, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's like you can't think about mile 26.2 when you're at mile two. In mile two, you're just in it. You're just feeling what you're feeling. You're just going through it. You know, it's, it's hard to think about legacy and those things. Right. I, mean, I, think, I think you can do it with intention. I mean, I think yeah. that, that if you're not aware of the longer term, then you'd probably just go out at, you know, four and a half minute pace and, and not get to the end. I mean, there is an element of, understanding what it is that you're trying to achieve but but again at the same time i think you're right that when i used to run marathons my my focus was on hitting six minutes for the next mile and then six minutes for the next mile and then six minutes for the next mile and and believing that i'd done the work in preparation but it wasn't you know it's almost too big to to contemplate the whole thing in one go just just try and knock off the next mile you know you said used to but i think that's gonna change tense <laughs> <laughs> I, keep, I keep i keep putting it out there and, and and julie will sort of occasionally kind of give me a look are you sure well you know just put it out there see what happens i, I i'm a big believer in um as we talked about right at the start about kind of having a sense of responsibility to, to other people or, 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 or sort of being kept in check. Yeah. Um, I think I'm naturally a lazy person probably. So I, I, I do well when I know that there's people that are keeping an eye on me. Um, so uh, I, I know occasionally it probably doesn't happen more than once a month or once every six weeks, but I jump on a call with Mario Fraoli and uh, he'll sort of, he'll always say to me, how's your running going? <laughs> and I'm not going to lie. And I also don't want to tell him the truth if the truth is uh, I haven't been out for a week. So that keeps me honest. Good stuff. When I listen to you saying that, I'm, I always think of that song by LL Cool J, Mother to Knock You Out, like, don't call it a comeback when he starts off. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. exactly. It's just, I, I, I just that's... took a pause for a few years. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. So for me, Running is, I think, an unexpected lessons that have taught me the most. It's not the highlights, you know, it's not the, the fanfare. It's the, the tougher moments that have really sort of given me the most benefit. What's the best unexpected lesson that running has taught you? Um, there is a 20-mile race, and I can't remember for the life of me where it is, what it's called. It's a 20-mile race, um, which is two 10-mile laps. And when I was training for the marathon it was something that I did every every year I would go it was about the right time in advance of of the marathon and um I was standing on the start line one year and I was feeling pretty full of myself um I'm pretty sure that I thought that I was going to try and run a sub 245 marathon that year and this was like six six weeks out and I was standing at the start line next to a guy who appeared to be you, you know ancient um he was probably in his 50s but i don't know i thought he looked kind of pretty pretty old i couldn't quite work out why he was sort of up the front with me anyway off we went i 
ran the first lap, first 10 mile lap. And as I came back past the start finish line, I thought, I feel dreadful. I felt really bad. I thought there's no way I'm going to keep going at this sort of pace. Um, and indeed I didn't, I sort of started falling apart. And I remember distinctly finishing and him being at the finish line in, as, as I arrived. And I thought, oh, maybe he only did one of the two laps. <clears throat> and it turns out that he'd spanked me by like, you know, 15 minutes and run the entire 20 miles and was, you know, some sort of vet, vet 50, you know, he set the vet 50 record or something. Yeah. And I think in that moment, I just thought there's a lot to be said for humility and patience and experience and just, you know, not, not being too kind of cocky. Um, and that actually running is a really democratic sport and, and there, there is this sort of, you get out what you put in, um, element and this guy had obviously just been training really really hard and he'd reaped the reward so um I, I always remember that I always remember just thinking yeah you just got to have a, a bit of humility because you never know who's standing there on the start line next to you <laughs> such a great story and like you said it just all those all those years it all it all matters like you said like, to be you to be a peak I think you're five seven years but you said it took eight years so it all counts yeah absolutely Simon, it's been great talking to you. Before we wrap up, where can people follow you and uh, find out a little bit more about the magazine? So we, the magazine is Like The Wind Mag on Instagram and, and uh, Twitter. And we obviously have got a website, which is likethewindmagazine.com. Um, so people can, there's content there. We, we publish some stories online. People can order copies. We have some amazing artwork by illustrators that are available to buy as prints. So yeah, lots of, Lots of good stuff on the website. Awesome. Simon, I've really enjoyed this conversation. Thank you for being a guest on the Runner's Life podcast. Well, thank you so much for having me. It's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you for listening to this episode of A Runner's Life. If you found value in this episode and you want to support the show, please share with your community, post on your social media channels and encourage them to listen and subscribe. If you want to support my work directly, you can become a member on Patreon at www.patreon.com forward slash a runner's life. If you want to get updates on the podcast or you want to see what I'm up to, you can follow me on Instagram at a runner's life underscore podcast and at the marathon markers. Your time is valuable. So thank you for spending your time listening to this episode of a runner's life podcast. <laughs>